so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week as usual and say, okay, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and it's getting very close to Christmas, Craig. It's December. Yes, we're into summer. You wouldn't know it when heaters are on across the country and it's not getting above about 12, 15 degrees in some of the capital cities. Indeed, and we saw snow in parts of outer Melbourne today. But anyway, so uh, a week on, the uh, VCAT testing, that's the vehicle aerodynamic testing, is underway. Um, I understand up in Oakley at the Air Force Base there, just outside Toowoomba. So um, very applicable. They're doing it in Queensland with so much of it concentrated, even though the majority of the teams are down south. The ones that count, that is the homologation teams, the DJR team, Penske Ford team, and the Triple Eight Holden factory team are both up there, along with the technical department. That's all uh, works. And uh, anything been out released said about it all yet, uh, Craig? Haven't heard anything to this point in time. One fascinating uh, story that broke in news limited papers across the weekend was that uh, Walkinshaw could have BMW in 2021. That would be an interesting spanner in the works if all of a sudden uh, you know they have to start worrying about what a bmw might look like and having to do all the testing over again for another make good for the series though to have another make and perhaps if there's going to be a bmw involvement over at uh, walkinshaw that explains a bit more Chaz mostert's decision to move doesn't it as you well know and have followed that uh, Chaz has got a, a huge reputation in amongst BMW with, this, with the stuff he's been doing overseas in the last two, he, three years. He well and truly uh, shone a light brightly. In fact, uh, Charlie Lamb, who died this year, unfortunately, at Schnitzer, became very impressed when uh, Chaz drove with the Schnitzer team at uh, the 12-hour and... Uh, Chaz did have another couple of drives overseas in America, and wow, it's a it's a real curveball, isn't it? To suddenly have BMW landing in the series, it would be uh, amazing. I mean, we have to go back to the uh, late 80s, I would think, or maybe early 90s when BMW last had factory cars on the track, mm. uh, back in the days of uh, Paul Morris and Tony Longhurst driving for them. I think everyone's best um, memories were the cars that uh, Erebus uh, retroed this year at Sandown, the JPS BMWs. That's the one that always comes to mind for most. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, fascinating uh, to see finally now all the uh, various bits of news breaking cover on the driver front. Of course, Chaz, as you mentioned, with uh, Walkinshaws. Uh, then his uh, place being taken at Tickford in the super cheap car with Jack LeBrock. Um, of course, the swapping around of... Uh, some liveries there with now the Bottolo car uh, becoming a uh, truck assist car for uh, Lee Holdsworth. Um, yet to sort of pan out there and see uh, if Tom Randall's going to do the series again, um, which would be good. They had a very good sponsor in Scandi, a step up with him. Um, Matt Stone, we've uh, got Todd Hazel, of course, has left uh, 
Matt after a couple of years. Uh, Matt is, uh, uh, of course, to announce uh, who's going to be driving for his two-car team. They've got many of the pieces in place. In fact, they've also, I think, just thrown the hat in the ring saying, we'd like number 34 to take up Gary uh, Rogers' old number. Um, so he'd run 34 and 35 with uh, Gary Jacobson and Zane Goddard. Um, it's certainly going to be interesting to see if all those pieces work out. The other New Zealand driver, of course, is um, Andre Heimgartner, who this weekend continued his fine form winning the opening round at Pukekohe of the New Zealand V8 Series, taking out uh, two race wins and the third race abandoned with wild weather calling it, uh, uh, having to call it off. It's certainly great to see that series continuing on. It's It's been through some rocky times, and I know it's important that uh, we do have a feeder because obviously our series with four very fine uh, New Zealand drivers, we need those guys here to be performing well and uh, need that feeder system as well. The other news, of course, was uh, just about to break is on the control shock front. It's uh, not been confirmed yet, but it's uh, all but news out there that the Super Shock uh, South Australian built uh, shock absorber system is going to be uh, coming into the series, branded probably as Pedders, who have been around for some years in, in a number of roles as a sponsor. and. It's another of the parameters being taken out of the system. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about it, but if it is going to genuinely reduce costs in the long term, then uh, I think it's a good thing. I think they were talking about per corner, something like $2,000 a shot, which is going to be dramatically cheaper. The only trouble is that when people get it in their head that they can uh, come up with something trick in the way of shock spring setups that maybe people spend time doing that. So this week we've got, of course, a number of uh, highlights of yours uh, from um, your time around the Newcastle pits. You were very busy there, Craig, in talking to team owners. Uh, you have quite a list of them. Yes, we spoke with uh, Ben Clemenko, Roland Dane, Brad Jones, just to uh, name a few. And we got their thoughts about the VCAT testing and where the state of the nation is actually at this point of time. So that's, I think, a, an interesting insight into how some of these team owners are thinking. Did you also speak to Gary Rogers because it's his final ever supercar round? Yeah, spoke to him on the Friday morning. So we've got a few short uh, words from him. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, I think he summed it up. He's not done yet. And Tony, uh, also in that second segment, we speak to Gary Jacobson, who's, as we previously mentioned, yet to be announced his future. We have a, a few words from Todd Hazelwood, whose now future was determined, but he was being very tight-lipped over the Newcastle weekend. And, uh, yeah, just a, a few bibs and bobs from different members of the paddock. It would have been, of course, uh, Simona Di Silvestro's final round after three years in the series. She certainly added something to it. I'm, I'm sure that she would, as many others would uh, comment rather cruelly, saying she probably didn't make as big an impact as A, she thought she, she should, and B, I thought she would because, uh, you know, she has uh, been on a podium in Indy cars and, uh, you know, they're not easy things to drive. No, that's right. In fact, she has flown out of Australia already and is on her way to join the Porsche team. Well, it's it's great for the series, in fact, to have somebody leaving our series to go off and race uh, 
uh, for the Porsche factory. So that's a wonderful thing. So, well, after the break, we'll come back with a look into and hearing from the team owners in supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske, and you're on Inside Supercast. Inside Supercast took the opportunity at Newcastle to speak to a number of the team owners about the season and the future. Team owners included Betty Clemenko of Erebus, Brad Jones of BJR, and Roland Dane, Triple Eight Race Engineering. We started by asking them a series of questions about the outcomes of the vehicle aero testing coming up? Uh, it's just very simple. It's that the um, aero testing and the, and the outcomes uh, from it all run smoothly and, the, and we get a, um, hopefully, a, a really, uh, really good set of, set of numbers and, uh, and the cars are as equal as, as they can be. Uh, for next season. Brad Jones. Um, it's always interesting when we make uh, a, a significant change what it does to close the field up, which I think it, it, it impacts on it for sure. So um, it's hard to know until you actually get in the car and test it, but I think they're heading in the right direction. Um, they're somewhat limited by lack of manufacturing a new front bar and a different rear wing, um, but when you talk to supercars who do the CFD, on the cars, they feel like it's it's a you know it's a pretty pretty decent change. So that's one thing. The other part of it is finding the balance between the the Commodore and the uh, and the Mustang. And you know it's it's imperative that we get those cars with the same sort of numbers and same sort of track performance in terms of aero. So um, while it's important that we we knock a bit off them, it's really really important we get it right. And if we don't, um, and we have another year like we did this year, it'll be a problem. Changes that are being made and that are foreseen by supercars are small adjustments to the existing era. I agreed with Barry that I wouldn't talk about what has to happen because I tend to go overboard. So I want the cars to be at a place where they're, neither has a great advantage. You know, you have a good driver. You can usually take a, the, a small percentage of advantage and beat it but not when it just swamps you. And that's what happened this year. It doesn't matter how good your driver was. We've got great drivers. And the best we could do was seconds and thirds. And it's kind of deflating. And I hope next year that they get it right. It's not my job to tell them how to do it. They have to do it. Is it expected to require the teams to undertake a lot of extra work in the off-season to modify the cars or components? Roland Dane, again, gave us his opinion. No, any changes to the cars are, are very small. So, I mean, yeah, people will be fitting them in a day or something. It's not going to take any time to do uh, the changes that supercars are looking at. So that's, 
that's neither here nor there. Brad Jones explained that their testing procedure, they will uh, not necessarily provide for each race car, will have strengths and weaknesses in different areas of the racetrack. Well, we do straight line arrows, so we don't do it in your. So, and the cars are a different shape, so they're not going to be identical, but they're going to generate the same numbers or similar, very close. Um, and, and when I say similar, it's, you know, it can be, if you, if you say you've got um, six and a half degrees negative camber uh, as opposed to five and a half, that's similar, right? But it makes a huge difference to the car. So, uh, you know, they just need to be close enough that a, a measuring yardstick for me is having mates littered through the field, not having the same manufacturer pretty much dominant from 15 to last. What is the cost of doing business in 2019 and 2020 like compared to the available income streams? It's more challenging today than it was five years ago. Absolutely, yeah. Crap. Absolute crap. The, you know, you're going for the same sponsors that the Super 2s are going for and the and supercars themselves. So you've got to have that, that different edge for them to want to come to you. We're lucky we have Penrite and Penrite have been with us for a while. And the fact that, and I know this happened many, 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 many years ago, they took away funding that would have kept the field going for centuries was cigarettes. I mean, cigarettes has billions to burn and they can't burn it anywhere. I mean, even if it was a, you know, not even the actual cigarette, but something that kind of, you know, showed their, you know, their logo or something. But um, to find a good sponsor or find sponsors is so hard. You literally have to sell your soul. It's challenging at the moment. Uh, and it's the environment, the economic environment in Australia is not brilliant. Uh, the sponsorship market is tougher than ever. Um, we general consensus is that yeah, we don't really have enough free-to-air television at the moment, uh, and uh, the combination of all those uh, factors is definitely making the income side of it more challenging. And costs, meanwhile of employing people, of logistical costs to go with racing, which are absolutely nothing to do with the cars, uh, continue yeah, to, to increase. What do the owners think of the level of engagement between supercars and their team has been like this season? It all depends what day you're talking, because you have one day where the owners are all up in arms together, and then the next day, oh, they, 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 they have what I call transporter cojones. And, you know, they'll, a lot of them talk big, but they, when it actually comes down to it, I think they get a little scared that it's going to backfire on them. And you just have to find your mission, your statement, and stick to it and stand up to that one mission. And once you, you do that and you've got that finalised, you go to the next one. You shouldn't try and do it all at once. I think the relationship between the teams um, collectively and supercars is, uh, to be honest, is extremely good. We've got some very competent people at at supercars um, at the moment and um, and I think the relationship that they have broadly is um, with with all the teams um, is pretty good. I feel like uh, the commission's been uh, um, unfairly targeted this year. I feel like um, the, the work that's coming out of the commission has been uh, been very good and you know with Steve Horn and, and Neil Crompton um, you know, getting well, Neil certainly at the end of his tenure, 
um, it's, a, it's a bit of a sad time really because I think a lot of good work is done and I guess part of that is not everyone's happy about the makeup of the group and the results that come out of it but we're not here just for one team we're here for all the teams and just because one's probably not that happy about it might mean that we're doing a good job for everybody you know, I, I might go up and talk to someone from Supercars and say, look, this is a problem that I have. And they go, yes, 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 yes. But by the end of a very busy day, that's the last thing, you know, they don't remember. And if you nag them a bit and keep nagging and nagging, and you, you, you'll get it through. But they could do a bit better on the, the communication side. Jones, who's on both the Supercars Board and the Supercars Commission, said he feels the work that has been done this year has been somewhat underappreciated. I feel like, uh, you know, the engagement's pretty good. Um, and it's a funny relationship, but we, we're working through it. One thing's for sure, all the people that I come into contact from that side or that are in the middle uh, work pretty hard at trying to make sure that the best result is achieved. What is the level of engagement interaction between the teams and television production? You know, I don't think there's ever really been a, a big problem about the communication if it's done properly. There are certain media people and outlets that do it properly and none of us have a problem, but we need to be able to talk to the media and help the media help us get our messages through. And um, I think they tend to forget that there are teams down the bottom of the grid they need to start taking notice of them and going and talking to them and getting their their slant on things because some of those people down there are brilliant they're geniuses but it seems that you need a passport to go down there sometimes yeah I think it's okay I mean you know I I, um, I sat in a motel room on the other side of the world and watched Winton and then I watched the Indy 500 and then I watched the 600 at Charlotte and I felt like the quality that we produce is equal or better than, than the, the other, the other two, two race meetings that I watch. So um, if, if your question is about how we go about producing content and putting it out there, then uh, yeah, I think we're, we're very, very capable in that area. If you're talking about the little shows in between that, I don't watch them. Um, television product is... Uh, is put together by Supercars Television. So the relationship which the the teams uh, have with that, I think, has uh, has always been pretty good. And you might have the odd spat every so often, but that's all they are, uh, etc. In terms of the terms of TV, so television guys got to do their job. We all appreciate uh, that they have to do that job and try and work with them wherever we can. In my experience, I mean, certainly this team does. I feel like we get the middle of the stick. I think Supercars is in charge of the relationship that we have with the te television. They come in, they go out, they, they film us if we're doing something spectacular and then they walk out. I don't think there really is a communication there at all. We're just the subject matter. Yes, no, it all depends. Like if, if someone's coming in to do, an, if something, a crash has happened and they come in to talk, yes, there should be uh, more involvement between team and uh, commentators or, or the media that comes in from TV. From a team's perspective, and I've heard other team owners who really aren't in the sport anymore say that if you divide it up the airtime and divide it by the amount of cars, well then that's what's fair. 
But but at the end of the day, people tune in to watch motor racing, not not 9.3 seconds of one particular car. So look, you know, I'm not I'm still not 100% sure where you're going with this, but I think the TV is pretty good. And from my side, you know, we have a you know they, we get what we deserve. What about the rest of the media? How do these owners see the level of engagement? As far as journalists are concerned, I think that they're doing a wonderful job at the moment. I think they're going to the right subjects, the right people, and talking to them and getting the right stories. You need journalists who have their balls on the outside and they're not scared to ask the, bad, the hard questions and, not, not, and, and, and actually deliver to the public the hard answers, not just take the, hard, you know, the answers and then file it away in a, in a file but actually put it out there for the public to make, their, to make their mind up on. As long as they stay unbiased, it's great. Um, in terms of the rest of the media, I mean, my, my biggest regret is that there's not more independent media out there. It's a sign of the times, really, in that everyone seems to consume their news in very bite-sized and um, uh, quantities these days that are by Twitter or Instagram or whatever um, that, to be honest, not really part of my world. And I, I regret the fact that the, there aren't as many independent media outlets as there were you know, when I first came here 16 years ago. Betty is rather concerned that some stories have not received the attention from the media they deserve. I feel they've been twisted, buried and then buried again and the tombstone put up and let's all forget about it because we're never going to go back to it and that's wrong. Look, I'm not going to give names but there are certain journalists who, who you say, you just, you'll say a sentence like, oh yeah, I think Dave, you know, Dave's crash was uh, not his fault and um, the, you know, he's got a little superstition about the red jacket that he wore and then he'll, he'll just take the word red and jacket and turn it into a totally different story and then decide to put whatever he wants in there. And that is not fair on either the driver or the, the, um, me or the, the team or the other journalists because it gives a bad name to journalism. And how do the teams look at fan engagement in 2019 and beyond? I, I feel that uh, the vast majority of, of fans are as engaged as as ever, frankly. The only difference is that you get, you know, there's a hundred keyboard warriors making a lot of noise, to be honest, and that's why I don't honestly pay any attention to them, because the vast majority of fans don't have time or inclination to sit on um, social media uh, making a noise. And, um, and therefore, those people, it's I suppose the old saying is the silent majority, but it's not a—it's not just a majority. It's the vast, vast majority of our fans who come to the races, who switch on television, are not writing comments on social media. They might look at some of it for sure, because our social media numbers, as a sport, in terms of uh, video views and that sort of thing, are, are pretty amazing. But they're not, they don't feel the need to comment on everything in, in the polarising fashion that, I don't know, a hundred people are um, in, in the country. And it's no different in other sports. So I, I worry that 
policy that views are formed on the back of what a few people say um, who, are, who are, for want of a better term, keyboard warriors. When I see us as a team being given a hard time, uh, I, I, honestly, I just... Sorry, we'll just move over here. Um, honestly, I just smile because we've still got the highest merchandise sales of anyone in pit lane and, and have had for many, many years. So uh, that's more telling, to be honest, to, to me than, uh, than some people who feel motivated to slag us off or another team or drivers or whatever over the, over, over the years. So um, I'm, we engage very well with the real, the real fans uh, who are coming to watch us, who are switching on a, on a regular basis on TV. With my team there, they've got a great... I mean, fans to us are one of our main... Um, what would you say, Daniel? Yeah, they're our lifeblood. We, and I try always to put this through supercars, that they didn't have the people buying the $300 tickets and putting their bums on the seats this, and buying the products of the sponsors. The sponsors wouldn't sponsor, the cars wouldn't race, and we would be nowhere. So when you come back to it, the fan who is willing to pay a full price ticket is our lifeblood and we can't just ignore them and say well they can watch no there has to be more interaction with fans I've always said why don't you ask Ford or, or Holden for a, a small car and at the last race of the season as in this race um, everyone who enters puts half their ticket into the or they get another ticket and they put it in and then at the very end they draw out a Ford and a, and a Holden or one of the little you know, just the tiny little ones. And to a fan, that can be the most amazing thing that ever happens to them. It's a good, good thing for Holden, good thing for Ford, and it's a good thing for supercars. And it wouldn't cost them hardly anything if they have that, that thing sponsored. So little things like that. And, you know, treating the fan as a person who loves motorsport just as much as we, the team owners, do, and teams and drivers, not someone who's just bought a ticket to go to a movie. Yeah, pretty good, I think. It's all pretty good for you. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, I I, um, it's a, I don't wander around watching what other people engage. The measuring stick for whether the fan engagement any good is any good, I think, is the amount of people that come to the races and our crowds aren't dwindling at the moment. So there's a lot of things that contribute to that, you know. Um, but... I think the engagement's all right. The strength of our team is the team and Barry. I mean, I'm not even going to put myself in there. My strength is that I can pull it all together and, and I, I'm, I'm there for the fans mainly and, and doing all the interacting during the weekend so Barry doesn't need to do that interacting. But I feel that, you know, to give back to the, back to the people, you, you need to do it. And a way to do it is to go out there and talk to the people and... And, you know, if they're doing a grid walk, go out and say, good morning, how are you? I hope you have a great day. Don't forget your sunscreen. You know, well, that's what they want. They want to feel like they're wanted and needed in this series. They want to know that they're part of it. It's the only place you can go. It's the only sport you can go and stand and look into the change rooms. And for them, they're still going to pay extra money to do it, but they, they do it. And um, they love it. They just, they just want to be near the people that they idolise in this sport. And we do it, Supercars does do it, we have our signing sessions and everything else. But, you know, 
if I was head of supercars, I would once a year have a fan picnic where you have your your, your drivers and you know anyone can bring a picnic with them to some huge park in Melbourne and um, they you know they put up jumping castles and stuff for kids and it's not on track it's off track and it's away from a track re- weekend and it's a way to see the owners and see the crews in their normal you know and have three legged races and do all that type of thing and just give back once a year if you're not going to do it during the year. What do they feel is the level of sponsorship engagement? At this point in time, sponsorship is really difficult, and, and that's for a lot of reasons. Um, I think any sport that you're involved in, it's tough to get engagement. Um, so we're certainly working on it from a business perspective. I think more free-to-air would help us, but that's not going to change anytime soon. So we need to um, button down the hatches and make sure that when we do another TV deal, we get something that that is probably a little bit more, um, well, has more free-to-air content. Look, I can only speak for ourselves, and and we've got a very engaged group of sponsors, so uh, we've always worked hard at it, and uh, and our sponsors are are very engaged, whether they're talking about the sort of big two with Red Bull and Holden, or whether you're talking about some of the others who've supported us for many years, like... Yeah, Caltex have been with us since 2005, and uh, and they yeah they rem- have remained engaged through thick and thin. What are the opportunities and strengths of supercars and teams as they head into 2020? Good question. Supercars strength. The teams, yeah, the teams and the fans are their strength, and they they should accept that and stop trying to. Stop trying to be an F1 field or whatever field it is or, or want glitz and glamour. We're not glitz and glamour. We're, um, you know, flip-flops and, you know, ciggies and beer and that's what we are. We, and the sooner people realise that and not try to, to, to wrap it up in uh, glitter and diamonds, I think the, the, they get back to their basic roots. They'll understand. They will do much better. In the, the series will do much better. That's the opportunity to to dress it down. Yeah, to dress it down and understand that you're never going to dress these people up. And the corporate usually is not the top of the, the, the tree. It's usually the CEO will give the tickets to the secretary or the secretary gives them to the son. And it's the ones who like the motorsport that will come here, not the people who make the decisions. We've got to carry on providing um, great racing on a regular basis. And... Uh, most people in the in the industry around the world still look at our category as doing that more often than than most categories in the world. Um, great product, continuing to uh, to ensure we do that. Uh, there's an awful lot that yeah we can do better, and we learn every year and try and do a better job. Uh, not sit on our um, not sit on our hands, and uh, as a as a sport, so. Um, there's more to do. There's clearly a media deal in the offing at some stage, which will have the the effect of really laying the groundwork for what the the next five, six plus years looks like. So that's pretty important to us collectively next year. We're getting income back out of the business again now, rather than not even getting ties free. So I mean, it is it's it's where it's at. There's so many moving parts that contribute to that, but. Um, 
yeah, I, I feel like uh, we're probably getting off topic a little bit, but um, we're getting to a point with with the the network deal where, and it's the right time, you know, we're negotiating it now, so we'll see what comes out of it. How the owners rate season 2019 from a business point of view? It was a faux year. There, there wasn't. I don't think it was a year where anyone made financially made anything. In fact, I think it was a year where most Holden teams had to convince their sponsors to stay or not to give less money or not, you know, to say, yeah, we will get our sponsors on TV. Don't worry, we'll get them there. It, I just don't think it was a year that I particularly want to remember. It was like, you know, the Queen says that, yeah, that's it, that's it. You know, it was not because we were bad, we were good compared to, the, you know, a lot of the teams. We held our own. But I just don't feel that we had the chance to get the the top steps so often. There was It was like we were all racing for third. Oh, it's a disappointing year. I, you know, I don't rate it very highly. We haven't been on the podium once, been fourth a couple of times. Um, I feel like we've made progress in some areas and in others we haven't. And so... Um, um, but at the end of the day, if you just looked at the results, I'd say it's it's disappointing. And what about for the, the bigger organisation, Supercars? What's their 2019 look like to you? Supercars? Um, I think it's okay. I mean, you know, for me, a lot of that gets linked to financial, but I think that... Um, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of things going on in the sport. All the stuff that's happened with Penske is not good. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't sit here and rate that sort of stuff. From uh, uh, the business From of Triple Eight? Triple Eight. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's a, uh, I'd say uh, probably an eight. Well, I'm not supercars, and I think totally opposite. So I should think about what I would, where I would rate it for me, and then do tell you exactly the opposite. You know what? They'll tell you that it was a success because that's what they tell you. If you look underneath the pretty covers, I don't know what you're going to find. I think they had their hands full with all the penalties and the the, the everyone yelling at everyone else because they were, they were... Look, if you come down to the truth is there was no parity in the cars at the beginning of the year. And as the year progressed, what we thought was parity was just kind of took away our advantage at Bathurst. And... Um, I think it was, I'm trying not to say what I want to say, but saying it in a way that won't get me into trouble. The biggest thing is uh, everyone will have a chance to have a break because we're all knackered. And, um, you know, we're like all teams, we're working at different things. There'll be a lot of changed parts on the car. The cars will have a different aero package. The, um, um, the control shock absorber, there's a lot of things. So When does that get announced, the new Pedder's shocks? I don't know. I'm not, you're on the board, you're on the commission, yeah. you've got to know something about yeah. that. Funnily enough, though, I don't write the press releases, so I don't know. Um, look, I, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. What's going to be good about us in 2020? Uh, all I can really say is our target will be to run inside the top ten and end up with two or three podiums during the year. That will be a step up from where we currently are, and I feel the biggest thing that will make a difference is the fact that they'll get the, if they get the arrow right between the makes. All right, so how do you rate season 2019? Uh, a few years ago, you and John Faulkner came on the show and you were embarrassed by what happened in Townsville. There was a few things at Phillip Island you weren't happy with. 
this year was an amazing year for, for uh, our own goals, if you like. Truthfully, I'd say there's 10% left of people who are really, really, really passionate. And look, even I have my off days where it's like, oh. they, have, they still have passion in them. I don't think it is as big as it was when they first started, which it never is for anybody. Um, but it's a different series than when we started. When we started, when I came in the first year, it was V8, V8 racing, and that was it. And the passion was there for the, the, you know, can your car make a, a full uh, race? Is it going to be, you know, thrown off the side by another car? Where there was a lot of, you know, bumping and, and grinding. And you, if you've got a clean car back, you, you, you either ask why wasn't he going fast enough? You know, why didn't you, you push for that position? Nowadays, it just seems a little political, a little too much. And, you know, sometimes you, during the race, you just throw your hands up in the air and say, he got penalised for that. And the, the other guys spun him and got nothing. And it seems to be, you know, for the integrity of the podium now, not the integrity of the race. Is controversy good for the sport? Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly... Um controversy is in my opinion um, somewhere keeps people talking about it you know go right back to um, Ingle versus Scaife at the Battle of the Creek in at the end of 03 and you had half the people saying oh this is terrible and all the rest of it and everyone looks back at it now and says oh how wonderful it was well people some people have got bad memories about what they said at the time and um, but a bit of a bit of controversy, a bit of rankle, uh, is is no bad thing really, as long as it um, doesn't get out of doesn't get out of hand on a you know on a very personal uh, on a very personal level. But you've also got to take into account um, some of the rankle that we've had over the last few months has been self-inflicted. So. Um, by the people involved. Well, then that's uh, that's up to them. Oh, I don't think it, I don't think it's good. But but then again, if you said to Roland, okay, we're going to sort this out in the back room, and then it won't become public, you wouldn't like that either. I don't think so. Look, it's just part of sport, you know. So unfortunately, so um, yeah. I, look, I think the business is is in a pretty good spot. You know, there's a lot of things going on. The TV deal is going to be a biggie. And uh, we'll see what, what comes along with that. But, you know, the business is rolling along and it's in better shape than it's been in for years. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Gary Rogers, here we are at Newcastle, the end of another season. How do you wrap up? 2019. What, from a performance perspective? Probably ordinary. What about from a business perspective? Oh, well, I mean, our business is strong and it always has been because we continue to work hard. We've got good people, but um, our results really, we have struggled this year. Sorry, when I say our results, our supercar results. 
I mean, there are other categories that we've entered into. We've certainly started to show a bit of form there. The 5,000s are good, the TCRs are going okay, so we'll press on. That diversification that you, uh, well, we actually spoke to Barry about it earlier in the year. That has been part of the platform of what you've been doing in the business, hasn't it? Well, it has been, but I mean, look, we've always gone down the route of encouraging the younger, both drivers, mechanics, those sort of people, that's our business model. And um, we've enjoyed doing that. We've had reasonably good success with it, but we just now needed to have enough finance available to be able to do that. And with the TCR uh, cost basis at this stage, that's not to say it won't change, but at this stage they've got a good grasp on that. So, you know, I think we continue that, bring some more young girls and guys along, and away we go again. What was the impetus? Sorry, the what? What was the impetus for Gary Rogers to go with young people and to really have that focus on young people? I think, look, I've always enjoyed hanging around young people, having a few laughs and doing things with younger people. Look, I don't um, have anything against older people. I mean, in fact, I'm an old person, but I just enjoy that sort of, uh, that vitality of youth, I suppose, for the want of a better word. Because you, we've, everyone talks about your drivers, but the, the number of engineers that have come through your shop that probably started as a junior mechanic is also quite high. Well, yeah, we don't really have a lot of engineers. We really have a lot of workers, mechanics, uh, people that start perhaps as mechanics and end up engineers, others that come along with an engineering degree. But uh, I think the mechanical people are vital to any good race team, as, a, as are the tie fitters, as are the people that sweep the floors. They're all vital as far as I'm concerned. I don't think, you know, one needs to be any better than the other in a team. Was there a, a time when racing lost its fun? Or supercar racing lost its fun? Oh, I don't think we need to go down that route. To me, supercar racing has been enormous fun for me. And it still is, obviously. It is. That's why I'm here. What do you want to achieve out of the next phase of Gary Rogers Motorsport? Oh, success. And what's success look like? Oh, success was when you're the first one over the line. But not only that, when you have some fun, you do it with a good group of people. To me, that is the ultimate success. We all know you think the world of Garthander but you've also always had a, a huge respect for Lee. What was it about Lee and Garth? Oh, look, they were all good guys. Look, I've liked all those guys. We've had success, some, you know, perhaps more so than others on certain days, but to me, there's no differentiation. They're all good guys. We've had fun, and, and I've certainly enjoyed the, the company of all of them. Gary, all the very best. We'll see you at uh, TCR in the early stages of 2020. Well, you'll see us here today, tomorrow and the next day because we aren't going anywhere just yet. Simona Di Silvestro, we're here in Newcastle. Your last weekend as a full-time driver, maybe for the moment, in the supercars. But can you, you sum up your feelings as you're approaching this final weekend? Um, yeah, it's uh, mixed emotions, you know, kind of uh, definitely a kind of a chapter closing in my career, but uh, and as well, you know, I'm pretty happy to be here in Newcastle. So I don't know, it's uh, you know, good to be. I'm just enjoying it, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the to the next chapter in my career. It's an exciting chapter. Before we, I mention or talk to you about that, what have you learned about yourself, living in Australia, and touring cars? Yeah, oh, supercars, really. supercars, yeah. Well, it's quite a unique category, and I'm really lucky to have been able to race here, you know, to be honest. It's uh, been really special, and uh, um, yeah, I learned a lot, you know, just adapting to the cars. That was quite challenging, but uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. really enjoyed the category. It's a lot of fun, you know. Everyone in the paddock is really friendly, and uh, um, yeah, the championship is competitive and good, so it's really good to be part of. And yeah, living in Australia was definitely uh, not too bad as well. So it's, uh, yeah, all, all in all, like a very positive experience.
how are you going to go through those European winters again? Are you, are you just going to be pining for, you know, a Queensland winter at 28 degrees? Well, actually, I never really experienced, like, Queensland winter because most of the off-season I anyway spent them in Switzerland. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, a bit different. But, you know, I'm happy to yeah, move back home as well. You know, I haven't been home for the last 12 years. And uh, just, um, yeah, being back there is going to be nice as well. So to go to Porsche, that's quite a team to be associated with isn't it it's quite an organization yeah it's uh, i'm still pinching myself a little bit to be honest because it's uh, such a legacy team legacy brand in racing and uh, for me you know to get hired by them is uh, really special you know a lot of drivers dream about an opportunity like this and for it to happen to me is uh, just really cool and uh, you know i'm just going to really embrace it and uh, yeah try to do best job i can and uh, hopefully have a really long career there how do you s- how do you set yourself up between when you finish and, and I imagine you're half packed already <laughs> yeah. and uh, and do make the move home? How do you then go about the prep that's required for the next season? Yeah, it's uh, pretty busy actually. I, I fly home next week and uh, yeah, pretty much straight back into it uh, uh, with Porsche right away. I think uh, my first thing is like on the 5th. So yeah, it's going to go pretty quickly and uh, it's going to be, you know, pretty exciting. I think I'm just really excited to start it. You know, when you go to Weissach it's uh, pretty special to see that and uh, especially the racing you know like with Formula E right now there's just a lot going on and uh, um, yeah and the championship I'll be racing in as well so it'll be really busy and uh, it's good to be busy in racing. Like in Australia a lot of people particularly the fans don't understand just you're not just a racing driver you're a representative for XYZ brand on the car the team you drive for and that's also a lot of extra time away from home what's it like in Europe and particularly a brand like Porsche that is so high profile what's that uh, ambassador role yeah it's big you know it's um, yeah I've been used to it you know I've been really lucky to be here with Harvey Norman as well so the, these are things I'm used to but definitely with Porsche you know it's a, a little bit different in the sense you know it's a car brand so it, it, it's, it's just a bit different I've never really been associated with anything like it so uh, I don't know, I can't really say at the moment, I'm just really excited and yeah, to get going. Have you told them what car you want for driving <laughs> around uh, Switzerland? Um, well, I'm uh, still uh, deciding. It's a more difficult choice than uh, any other car brand, <laughs> exactly. Well, look, it's been a pleasure watching you here in Australia and I guess we're going to be seeing you on the television set a lot more as the Formula E Championship continues on. Thank you. Well, Gary Jacobson, that's coming to the end of the rookie season. How do you sum up your year? I've enjoyed it. I feel like I've learned a lot more than what I thought I would. I think that the extra laps and, and working with a big team like Kelly Racing has uh, transformed me both in and out of the car. So I've actually really enjoyed the, the challenges that the year brought, you know, at the start of the year, being a rookie, <coughs> facing a larger scale of good drivers, you know, A-grade a talent drivers, um, you know, we, we had a parity issue at the start of the year where the aero wasn't really working very well in the Ultima and you just had to fight. You had to fight as hard as you could. And then, you know, the opportunity to even be there, I was, I was still riding on that high. And then, I don't know, we got to tail and bend and then a few more aero adjustments and um, all of a sudden all the speed came and all the extra reward for all the hard work was starting to make more sense even though... I was working hard at the start of the year and, and struggling a bit. It wasn't really happening. And then mid-year on, it, all these results start to come and you start saying to yourself, this is why you do it. So, yeah, really enjoying it. What do you think has been the biggest thing that you've learnt during this year? The ability to hustle, like, not just 
in the car, but you know, working with your team, hustling the team, and and asking for constant feedback on what you're doing. Not that you doubt yourself, but you you want to try and be the best you can be, and just learning the craft of getting the most out of yourself. I think is what my key focus was, and. I'd like to admit to myself that I can improve um, every day with what I do and it's an intense way to live your life but it's rewarding when it starts to go right so um, yeah I think when you step back from it all and I'm sure we'll get to that stage soon after the racing's done at Newcastle that you know I'm incredibly proud of you know having the sponsorship to finally do this having the opportunity from Todd and Nick Ryan and Rick Kelly to even get on the grid and then um, taking a deep breath upon reflection about just being out there fighting in the category that I've wanted to race in you know my whole life since I started karting it's just um, such a cool experience so um, yeah looking forward to obviously to keep doing these sorts of things but um, yeah the learning will never stop. When you think about the uh, the ultimate last race at Newcastle but everyone I spoke to from probably Bathurst was saying the Nissans really seem sorted now. They're a tough car to pass, and they, you know, because they're yeah. so quick. Yeah. How do you feel about seeing the end of this car? It's a little hard, you know, because it's it's hard because it's a lot of work that's gone into the car, and you know, you'd like to think that you've played your role in helping and assist the team into understanding what they need to do to the cars with me in there um, to get the speed and. I felt like as a rookie, I've sort of actually brought a bit more than what I thought I could and um, lots of internal discussions with just Car 3 uh, with my own personal engineer and uh, Scott Sinclair and Todd and and just voicing my opinion and then actually transforming my opinions of what I think I need into my car and I've sort of gone on my own pathway in the second half of the year and been able to show some speed with my own agenda. So um, it's a little bit hard to think that it's all going to come to a grinding halt after Newcastle and then that's it but I'm sure that there will be some Super 2 teams out there maybe in the future that will get the reward of all the hard work that we've put into this car for this year and um, yeah maybe it's not done yet the development might continue you never know. What's 2020 got in store for you supercars wise? Yeah that's you know it's an awesome question to ask and and uh, I can understand people wanting to know because I I'm excited about what I've been able to do this year and I want to continue to build on that into 2020. Um, I've got <clears throat> fantastic financial support um, from a range of different backers going into 2020. So obviously, you know, I'm, I'm excited to announce what, I, what I'm doing, but I have to, you know, keep tight lips like anyone else is at the moment. It's a bit of a boring sport when you've got to keep your lips tied shut. But um, look, I'm excited about what I'm going to be doing in 2020. And uh, I'm excited about to continue this evolution of learning how to drive these cars as fast as possible and get some better results. You come from a Speedway family and there's a Speedway season in between now and when we might see you again, I know we will, in a supercar. What's the uh, plan for the Speedway season? Are you going to give it a try or where are you standing? Yeah, from a speedway perspective, we, we need to remember and slow things down a bit. My, my dad was, you know, a very talented speedway driver in a modified production. So it holds a really special place in, in my heart. Like, I, I love going to the track. I think it's pretty cool how you can turn up to the track and get all the racing done and then go home. Uh, Four hours later, the yeah. whole meeting's done. We spend four days yeah. at least at a racetrack here in supercars. Yeah, too right. So... 
I love what Speedway's about, and um, obviously I've had experience in the past driving the 410 sprint car for GW Racing, and I, I'd love to do that again. You know, I think when you look at the budget required to race supercars versus the budget to race six races, it's pretty affordable. You know, I think you know, 10 grand would probably get you into a car for six races there. So. I'll have to keep my sponsorship hunting uh, going, but um, yeah, I'd love to race in the sprint car at uh, at uh, Toowoomba and at uh, Brisbane at Archerfield. The Archerfield track for me is it's not as nice a circuit when you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> uh, like I am. Like I've only done six races in these cars, but yeah, Toowoomba, I love that track and. It's fast and flying. You're doing sort of 10 second lap times there. I think my last time I was there, I got a personal best time of like 11.1 seconds. So I'm trying to crack the 10. Uh, but yeah, I, I would really much love to race alongside GW Racing again. And, and you know, Peter Lack is, from what I've heard, is taking a step back and getting into more of a management role with that team, sort of similar to what Todd Kelly's done this year for, uh, for Kelly Racing. So. Um, yeah, to race a sprint car again, I think has a lot of benefits. It keeps you pretty sharp. You got, you know, 900 horsepower and you're on a slippery surface and, and you got car, cars dicing left and right and doing slide jobs. It's, it's pretty fun. I think it's a, an awesome um, form of motorsport to be involved in. And it sort of opens your eyes up a bit, you know. You, you, you race in a car all year long that feels the same and you jump in something else that's completely foreign to you. So. I would love to race a sprint car again, and it's definitely a goal for me, just to keep sharp, fit, and to continue to have fun. And any sponsors out there getting in contact with you via socials? Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. It would be a great plug, wouldn't it? But um, you never know. Like Money's tight for everybody these days, so I understand if they can't. But if they can, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. Gary, all the very best for Christmas and New Year. We uh, look forward to seeing you in 2020. Cheers. Love keeping in touch with everyone. Oh, yeah, we've got Andre and 1% performance. Yeah, good plug. Uh, clapping in the background. Everyone's getting a bit, you know, you know, they're, they're getting a bit emotional with this last race ever for Nissan. Todd Hazelwood, coming to the end of the second season, how do you sum up your position? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, just got smacked in the guts by Gary Jacobson, so that was nice. But, um, no, look, second year in, this, in the main game has been really good for us, I think. Um, you really, for me, it felt like it was another first year, you know, starting with a new car. Same environment, obviously, but the challenge of understanding a new car and getting the most out of it, um, you know, it's proved its challenges, but I think we've shown glimpses of speed and, and, and potential of what could have been achieved, you know, come a second year around. So, yeah, for us, you know, really pleased with how it's all gone and, and um, yeah, being able to show what I can do off the track and, and on the track has, has been pleasing. Did you realise the goals you set yourself at the beginning of the year? Oh, for me, I just wanted to have a really smooth and consistent year and, and be able to have moments where I could you know, show to the main game guys that uh, yeah, I'm here to make business and um, you know, I'm more than capable of doing the job. And I feel like I've been able to achieve that with a few highlights throughout the season. Uh, obviously, the Enduros is probably a bit of a disappointment for us where we just didn't really get a result at all and it hurt our championship status. But other than that, I think it's quite a solid year. We'd finished inside the top 15 at every round up until Bathurst. So um, you know, I think you know, for us as a small single car team, that's a, that's a huge effort. When you look at what the team is gearing up for, how do you think their next step's going to go, knowing that you're not part of it? Oh, look, I said, an interesting phase for them. Obviously, wish them all the best and hope it all goes really well for them because um, you know, I've been part of that family for a long time now and can only appreciate the work that they're going to be up for come next year, obviously expanding to two cars. So, um, yeah, hope it all goes well for them. And what about yourself? Where will we see you driving? Uh, you'll see him on the grid next year, which is pleasing. Um, so, yeah, f you know, as of last week, I was able to think and do. Unfortunately, I can't say too much as of right now, but, um, yeah, really looking forward to the future and what lies ahead.
Todd, have a great Christmas, and uh, I'm hoping we're speaking to you about a new seat uh, very soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Sunday night at Newcastle, we're caught up with David Couchy. How do you sum up what has been a very, very interesting challenge for you, 2019? Yeah, it's been a very, very challenging year. You know, it hasn't probably been one of our best years and for reasons, some in our control, some out of our control. But look, we fought till the end and that's what this team's all about. Never giving up and um, we proved that this weekend with um, two race wins and two pole positions. And that's, that's what makes this team what it is. Just when you think it's all over? You've got a homologation of a new aero package. How's, how's the planning and the, the working through that? Yeah, that's right. We've, we're still prepping a car to go aero testing um, the following week. So, yeah, there's still um, still a bit to do yet. Um, and hopefully we can do a better job of it this year and, and make sure that next year we're not talking about some of the stuff that we're talking about this year. How do you, how do you balance up going, I'm now going to... I'm now going to help them take all this stuff out that I'm going to try and engineer back in by the end of the season. Look, at the end of the day, it, um, this category is about aero parity. So it's not about coming out of the aero test with something that you shouldn't have. It's about coming out of there with equal amount of downforce, equal amount of drag, and then going to the racetrack and beating them with the tools that are available to um, that are available to the teams to um, to, to gain an advantage. Um, and that's that's what we want. We just want um, aero parity, and we'll we'll sort the rest out on track. The best way to finish a year is with a win, and that's what you achieved today. Yeah, exactly, mate. We we had um, you know strong cars all weekend. You know Shane, Shane, and, and both Shane and Jamie showed that all weekend um, in qualifying and racing. So um, yeah, very satisfying way to finish the year. Not um, we didn't get all the big accolades that, that we wanted and that we we go racing for. But um, at the end of the day, you know we we come here to, to win races, and that's what we did. One thing you did do is you brought in a lot of trick bits along the way, didn't you? This year, your you, you know, your, your team has brought in, uh, you know, F1-style steering wheels and all those sorts of things. What's that been like to be part of that process? Yeah, it's been a big year for development. You know, we were on the back foot early, um, you know, trying to fight, fight against a, a very, very fast car. Um, so, yeah, we, we were pushing hard behind the scenes, developing um, lots of bits, um, some that you see and a lot that you don't see. Um, and, um, you know, and, th- and those years are very satisfying years, you know. Um, although, like I said before, we didn't, we didn't necessarily get all the big accolades that, that we want. But, um, but yeah, it was um, a, real, a real challenge and a real battle and, and, and somewhere very enjoyable behind the scenes to have come a long way this year. We had a lot of talk about going from... Double, double, dam- uh, double spring dampers and and triple springs, which you guys were running, back to the single spring. Are we going to have all this sort of talk again when we go to a control damper, which is one that you're not currently uh, using? Yeah, look, there'll be some some more sort of differences um, again next year with the control dampers, um, things that we can do this year that we may not be able to do next year. Um, so yeah, look, it's just going to be another challenge. Every 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 year is there's there's no such thing as an easy year in motorsport. Well. There is Christmas, and hopefully some the team get a bit of a break around then. Yeah, no, everyone's looking forward to it. Um, yeah, all, all the teams will be pretty buggered come this time of the year. So, yeah, everyone needs a break and, and come back fresh next year. David Couchy, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Cheers, thank you. After the break, we'll be coming back with our final thoughts on this week's Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars. This is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Next week we uh, start on a series that's, uh, well, maybe not an annual event, but certainly this is the second year we've run a number of interviews with drivers' fathers. And, uh, of course, it's, uh, they play a very large role because they're the ones that conduit to get their, their lads and, and, in some cases, lasses into uh, motor racing. And they're one of them, uh, probably the one with the biggest accolade in that his two sons have driven at a considerable number of times in supercars is Richard Davison. It was a wonderful chat I had with him earlier this year, and he's got a very strong history, not only for himself, his sons, but, of course, his father and his grandfather. Um, quite extraordinary, uh, these, the, the uh, part that the Davison uh, name has played in Australian motorsport. So they will look forward to that in the coming weeks. Um, and after that, we've got uh, chats with uh, Sam De Pasquale, who, of course, you know who he's the father of, Gil yeah. Slade, father of Tim, Chris Waters, Cam's father, and final one for the uh, in the new year will be Wayne McLaughlin, who has been around the series for about the last six, seven years, along with his son, as he's climbed the ranks. And these are all uh, stories that uh, are interesting in their own right, but give an insight into the world of uh, getting a lad through to full-time motor racing. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that in future. Final thought, mine would be around social media. I've never been a great fan of it, and I'm uh, really pleased to see that the whole thing is being drawn into question now, not only in the uh, Australian motorsport and supercars in particular, but across the world with uh, many comments. One I particularly liked was from uh, Sa- uh, Sasha Baron-Cohen, who has called into question the whole of the Facebook, Instagram, Google, and that uh, I certainly believe firmly that we need to fix that up and our own doorstep in Australian motorsport and make sure in the wider stance, stance of uh, the world that we no longer have uh, the hate that's being thrown out there uh, in the way it is and derogatory, just even if it's not hateful, it's just the derogatory terms and phrases, you know, too often done by keyboard warriors who don't even put their names to things. So, Craig, that was my certainly final thought, not only for today's show, but for the year almost. Mm. My final thought, Tony, centres around Bathurst and reports, I know Speed Cafe put out a report that they're considering cutting the 250-kilometre race and uh, perhaps running it as... uh, Two one two fives or variations thereof. Oh, this is for Super Twos. This is for Super Twos. Uh, I'd be disappointed yep. to see that happen. Obviously, they're looking at ways of bringing the cost down in Super Two, and there's got to be some thought given to it because you need a pit crew, you need a whole extra level of uh, infrastructure and support. So, whilst I understand they could do it for cost cutting measures. I think it is the closest thing that the main game, the uh, Super 2 drivers get to a main game uh, event with a pit stop and having to get through that aspect of racing, which you don't get in a sprint round. I, I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, I had a, a conversation at some length with Thomas Randall, who, uh, as you would remember, followed Ash Walt for many laps in his particular Super 2 race on the uh, Saturday at Bathurst. And 
it was incredibly good training, as he talked about, uh, for him getting ready to race in his first thousand kilometre race. And yeah, it, it, it obviously plays a wonderful part in a driver's education, learning to pace yourself through a stint. And uh, you're very right. I think that they, they need to give real thought as to possibly and probably re retaining it. Anyway, that'll be enough for, for this week on Inside Supercars. We look forward to you tuning in to listen to our driver's fathers. Until next week, it's good night from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.